0: Welcome to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay, fitting it all together to make teaching and learning in the junior grades more accessible, practical, and fun for both teachers and their students. Here's your host, teacher by day, mom of three, and curriculum creator of all the things from madlylearning.com, Patty Firth. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. We are getting closer and closer to being back to school. And one of the things that we often worry about is how are we gonna get our guided reading done? When should that happen? How should it look? And we sometimes feel guilty if we can't get guided reading started right away. So I wanna walk you through my plan to get guided reading started as soon as we can in our classrooms in a way that's going to be easy and attainable for you, the teacher, as well as for your students. So there's a few things that are going to happen. I want you to remember guided reading isn't necessarily going to start right away. There is a factor here that is student readiness. There are things that need to happen in your classroom before you can actively do guided reading. So let's look at how we can establish the routines and structures in place beforehand so that we can have it ready and set so guided reading can actually happen successfully in our classroom. The first is going to be your rules, routines, and expectations. What does independent work look like? I firmly believe that 95% of your students have the capacity to work independently when the task that they are doing is at their independent level. One of the biggest problems that we have as teachers is that when we give very narrowly focused tasks, we leave out so many students that we're automatically creating issues in our room because the tasks we're giving to students are either too easy or too hard. When that happens and we are leaving out the range of abilities that are in our room, that's gonna lead to problems. So we need to create activities that students are going to work on that is going to be engaging and student focused and differentiated. Those low floor, high ceiling tasks are going to be something we want to bring into our language lessons. So right from day one, we want to be practicing building stamina with our students. We want to get them familiar with what expectations look like, what independent reading explicitly looks like in your classroom. We are going to talk about what independent reading looks like. We're going to talk about what independent work does not look like. We're going to practice independent work. We're going to time independent work. We are not as teachers going to put ourselves in the place where we are going to be walking around the classroom and putting our control in that task. That's not independent work if we're the ones exerting our control over student behavior through proximity. So we're going to remove ourselves from proximal control over our students and make sure that we tell them that independent work Looks like this, and this is what it feels like for you. And I'm not going to be the one that's going to be the controller of what independent work looks like. You have to be personally responsible for what independent work looks like. We are going to build our stamina and work up to that skill level. It's going to take time. We're going to use timers. We're going to set goals. We're going to make charts. We're going to track how long it takes for us to build up our stamina. We are going to stop that clock, that we're timing them for how long, when students are not focused, when they lose focus. We're going to make anchor charts about what it looks like. We're going to refer back to it every single day, every single task that we give them at the beginning of the year. We're going to constantly be referring back to the anchor chart of what independent work looks like in our classroom. We're going to be very clear on what it looks like. We're going to be very clear on what it doesn't look like. And we're going to be very rigid with what we expect. This is what it looks like. So I expect only that. And we're going to practice and practice and practice and practice. And we're going to set a culture and a norm of what that looks like. And we're going to get our students to practice. We're going to reward the heck out of them when they get it right. And when they get it wrong, we're simply just going to use that as an opportunity to continue to practice because they're not quite there yet. That is going to be the biggest goal that's going to happen probably the first three weeks of school is really focused on building stamina, creating really simple and easy attainable activities that your students can do that will help them build up their stamina so that they can work independently. We want activities that are a little bit lower than what we know they should be doing. They're going to be easy tasks because our goal is not always going to be the task at that moment. Our goal is really going to be reinforcing and practicing our rules, routines, and expectations over what independent work looks like. The second thing that you need to be doing in the first couple weeks of school is focused on doing your diagnostic assessment. A lot of school boards and districts are going to have a prescribed program that they use, whether it's PM benchmarks or DRA, to do your diagnostic reading assessment. If you don't have one of those tools, a simple running record will work. But using these diagnostic tools are going to give you a great insight into students' skill and ability level, especially when it concerns reading. Now, my favorite way to do this, to get it done as quickly as possible, because sometimes these take time, is to do the running record portion of the reading assessments All at once. So before students do the written portion, I want to run through just the first part of that assessment and just do the running records. I start with the students who I know are most likely reading at grade level and bang through those ones really quickly. I leave my students that I know are going to probably need multiple attempts at multiple levels. I'm going to leave those later on till the end, but I'm going to get as many done at first. And I always am going to focus on the ones that are just going to be able to read at grade level and move on as my gut is telling me who those students might be. And I'm kind of gonna work from highest ability to lowest ability in my class to get those running records done. Once the running records are all done in my class, because I can get a few of those done during the day, once those running records are all done, this is where we move into the written comprehension process. I give every student back the copy of their text Again, get them to read the first part of the text to the star. If you're doing DRA, they read again to the star. Then they write their prediction. Then they read the rest of the text and move on to the other written component. We do this as a whole class because we can get done the entire booklets when everybody is focused in about two to three days. Which means that I can have my DRA typically done by the end of September ready for progress reports, which is really important for me to have that diagnostic done by the end of September. So once I have that routine put in place with the independent work skills and we've practiced exactly what that looks like, I have my diagnostic assessment reading assessments done so I know specifically where students are then I begin leveling initially I always start with leveling students based on ability because it's a good place to start because I still don't really know students that well and don't have enough data collected and evidence collected on what they need to work on specifically and individually to be grouping them by need so instead I group them by ability at the beginning When I'm creating my guided reading groups, I try to create groups based on the number of students that are in my classroom. Ideally, I really like to create four groups because it gives me the flexibility to meet with one group extra because I have that fifth day where it can be a float day in my schedule. So I meet with four groups a week and have a float day. Some class sizes are too big, so you need to have more than four groups In that case, I will often triage my groups, which means that I will have maybe six or seven groups, but I don't meet with all of those groups every single week. My higher readers that are reading at grade level don't need guided reading time as much as my lower level students. So I definitely meet with students different frequencies based on need. Now, the reality is is that guided reading at the earliest probably is not gonna start happening until about mid-October. And even at that point, it may only be a very quick guided reading session because the stamina might not be exactly where I need it to be. So we may have just very quick guided reading sessions with students and have some other flexible time having more time with writing conferences at that point. But I try to have very quick guided reading sessions in October. I want to be able to have full in-depth guided reading for 20 minutes. At the most, I want to have that in place by about January. So while I can start in about mid-October, maybe even early November, actually starting some guided reading groups, they're still going to be brief and concise and maybe a little less focused than perhaps as we do later on, just because I want to be responsive and reflective to what students are needing at that moment. Now, another strategy to help simplify my guided reading is using a differentiated text. This is a huge component of the United Literacy Program, and it's also a really handy tip to be able to use when structuring your guided reading lessons because planning for guided reading is often very cumbersome. If you have six groups reading at six different reading levels, you might need six different texts. Instead, we want to try using differentiated text. This means that you have one text that has multiple levels and multiple variations of the same text. When this happens, it generally means that you can have one lesson, so you can plan one lesson, and it will give you the text that will allow multiple groups to access it. So if you have four groups and you have three levels, you now have one text for three levels of students, and that lower level group may need a different prescribed program. Often I find students in my lower level group need a very structured literacy focus that is very primary and focused specifically on things like phonological awareness, phonemic awareness, stuff that isn't very typical of older junior grades as a focus of what they're learning because they've already mastered those concepts and moved beyond to focus on deeper meaning. So while I can get most of my students covered with my differentiated texts, and I can probably get about 90% of my students covered with these differentiated texts, it allows me to still have a really quality high level instruction for my lowest level pre or primary readers that are in my junior classrooms. I can focus on having a lesson for them because I know that I only have one other lesson that I've planned. So in Ignited Literacy, you would have the one lesson. And it would apply for your three different levels. And then if you needed to supplement for your lower level students, you could, but it's not super cumbersome because you actually have the time to do it because you're not planning six different lessons for six different groups. So we simplify our lessons. Now, what happens inside a lesson? Well, students will start by reading the text. Now, it's not the first time they often get the text. I often give my students a guided reading text at the beginning of the week and they will bring it and read it again with me during guided reading because most of the time we're focused a lot on meaning making with inside a guided reading session. So they come, they spend the first five minutes simply reading the text. Then I will listen into them individually, listen in as they're reading. Then we focus on digging into the text vocabulary, what's the theme, what's the gist, And then we look at deeper comprehension strategies at the end. And that is a session. All the while, I am assessing students on their guided reading. So I have an assessment criteria that I am filling out in the moment. So I'm tracking data in the moment. I love the ability to track data in the moment because it means I'm not taking marking home because I'm marking right there. I'm tracking what's happening, how they're reading, what skills they're demonstrating, what I'm seeing, what I'm looking for. All of that is tracked one page for the whole group. And I track that and then save that in a binder with that group so that I have a reference for this when I go ahead and write my report cards, because I have my observational and conversational data on students reading right here. The products are happening in the centers. My observational and conversational data is happening all inside this guided reading session. The more assessment I can get done during guided reading, the less I actually have to take home and mark, which is perfect for me. So I hope that gives you an idea of how I get started on getting myself set and ready. The focus really here is on your rules and routines, establishing them those early, developing the independent work skills and habits that your students need to be successful, and then planning and prepping your group by doing diagnostic assessments to get an idea of where students are reading, and then begin practicing guided reading sessions quickly with short guided reading sessions at the beginning before moving into longer established guided reading sessions with your students remember your students here are going to be your driving factor. If you can't get to guided reading right in October, that's okay. If it takes you a little bit longer because your students need more time to practice those skills, that's okay too. Remember that you have to be responsive here to your students' needs and that they need to have the routines down. They need to have some independent work skills. Remember, not 100% but you need to be about 85 to 95% successful at independent learning in order to be able to be successful at guided reading. And you can eventually get to that. You can get your assessments done and establish the baseline for who you need to have in your groups, who needs more support, less support. And that will allow you to set yourself up for success right from day one to get guided reading happening in your classroom as soon as possible. So I hope that's giving you some insight and ideas. If you would like some handy, tips on how to set up and establish the routines and rules in your classrooms, as well as how to develop independent work skills systematically in your classroom, I invite you to check out the freebie that you can get on my website at www.madlylearning.com, and you can check out the independent work skills and rules and routines that we can give to students. Thank you so much for joining me, and we will see you on another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay. Join me on www.madlylearning.com for more information on all things teaching in the junior grades. Don't forget, you can always catch this show on the Madly Learning YouTube channel. See you next week for another replay episode of Teaching with Madly Learning.